the coach a blue and white and kind of goldish colored team. Yeah, that's also in the state of Michigan, really close <laughs> to Canada. Yeah. <laughs> Starts with W and ends with Hitton. <laughs> yep. Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the CCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, Dustin Lindstrom, and Matt Cavender. Welcome to episode 29 of season three of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast presented by Tech Hockey Guide. I'm Tim Brown, your host, and I'm joined this week by Dustin Lindstrom. Hey, everyone. And Rob Gilreath. Hey, guys. Uh, before we get into the podcast, I'd like to thank our two newest patrons, Brett Libby and Robert Carnahan. Thanks for joining the Black Level guys. And also Lucas Pippenhagen, who upgraded his plan recently to the $5 level. I think we may have had one other one, and I feel bad for forgetting. But thank you guys for, for uh, helping us out and uh, supporting us. Uh, we decided to go without a guest this week to wrap up the season. Um, I haven't really prepared. So what do you guys want to talk about this week? Well, I have a little bit of a list that I came up with. Um, so I, I figure we can do a little bit of a brief uh, overview of the Frozen Four. Uh, I think we all watched that. Uh, probably a lot of our listeners watched it. Um, some other news from the last week. Um, I'd like to touch on the Hockey East ESPN Plus um, streaming news. Um Hallinan made the All-America team. Uh, Hobie Baker for Dryden McKay. I'll maybe touch on the uh, portal and potential recruits. Uh, and then some coaching news from some other Michigan in-state teams. Yeah, not the one we expected to hear from first. <laughs> yeah. Well, but we're not going to hear, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think you're going to hear anything on the other one for 10 12 days at the most like no i know yeah, yeah. that's probably true that's probably true i think they're going to take it right to the wire on that one honestly i i agree and then and then the last topic that i had on my list is to just have a little bit of a discussion of um new division one teams and this ever lengthening list of independent teams that are going to be playing d1 hockey and what that means for potential conference shakeups all right that sounds like a plan. Uh, let's do the thank you notes and have a brief note from our sponsors. And we'll be back to chat about, I guess we'll start with the Frozen Four. Fibke Dental is a general dentistry practice located in downtown Rhinelander, Wisconsin, home of the Hodag. Look online at FibkeDental.com or find them on Facebook. They do pain-free dentistry for kids, adults, people that went to great schools, and people that ended up at Northern Michigan. Stop in and say hi between 8 and 5 and tell them THG sent you. That is F-I-E-B-K-E dental.com. Do you work in manufacturing, product design, or product development? Is your business trying to improve efficiency while also producing at scale? Livonia Technical Services can help. They provide world-class quality improvement training and consulting for failure modes and effect analysis, product development, and cost reduction. All things that could help Northern Michigan assemble a competent defense. If you think your business could use a prevention mindset and reduce manufacturing costs, a partnership with Livonia Technical Services might be right for you. Check them out at LivoniaTech.net. 
That's L-I-V-O-N-I-A-Tech.net. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right. Welcome back uh dustin you watched the frozen four what'd you think well it went almost exactly how i thought it was going to um except for that third period on saturday night i mean i think yeah i think we all wanted mag to win right i don't think you can have a more heartbreaking letdown (laughs) than the last 20 minutes of hockey of the year we got to watch this year yeah Yeah. that I saw a lot of complaints about like the distraction that was the Hobie ceremony. And, and I just don't agree. Like, no, you really think you really think Dryden McKay wants to accept that award after he loses the national championship game. Right. I think, uh, I think they do it fine the way they do it, but yeah, I I think that's what it needs to be. Yeah. I feel really bad that Minnesota state basically decided to play their worst period of hockey for their last period of hockey of the season. Um, yeah, that just sucked. To me, it looked like it looked like Mankato was cruising and they gave up that goal in the third. And it's almost like they, I don't know if it was after the first goal or after that, or after the second goal where they went down one, but th- at, they kind of, panicked like and i don't know why because it's not like they haven't been down a goal it's not like they haven't been tied with good teams it it's almost like the weight of the moment kind of got to them and i didn't expect it to yeah i i don't know it also kind of felt like they looked tired didn't it which i found odd because i've never seen them tired before but they looked tired in that third period yeah which I found odd between the fact that I, I never felt that way in either tech series. I never I think felt it that might way. have also just been the fact that Denver picked it up to what Denver should have been doing the whole game, right? Yeah. They Denver got outworked for 40 minutes straight. Mankato was forechecking hard, was was in their face on any time they tried to do any of their uh anytime they tried to break out, the pressure was super hard and Denver just looked Denver looked shell-shocked for 40 minutes and wasn't able to do anything. And all of a sudden they went, oh, yeah, we're one of the best teams in college hockey. We know how to do this stuff. And it completely flipped the game around. But it almost, I mean, I, I think I think they were like that because Mankato was playing their game. And, and in right. the third period, you started to see breakdowns that you don't normally see from Mankato. Like, there was a couple very uncharacteristic turnovers. Um. If I remember right, I don't know if they even led to goals, but they led to chances, and it just Mankato wasn't playing like they normally do. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how to explain it, but it was it was kind of shocking and disappointing at the same time, right? I mean, yeah, and it's and I'm I'm just put up in stats here, so it's not like um, 
you know, all the skaters had like 12 minutes at least for the forwards. Like McNeely, or not, not McNeely, Orchard, Fury, and, and Smith all had like 17, 18 minutes. Uh, Napravnik, Soder, Sandlin were above 16. Like it's pretty even. It's not like there's like a big drop off that I would have expected. Whereas like the, the fourth line for Denver had nine minutes or less for Webster King and Ozar. And then the extra skater Edwards had 44 seconds in the whole game. So yeah, Mankato rolled four lines. Denver didn't really. And Mankato should have been the more fresh team. Yeah. It's hard to explain. I, I don't know. Yeah, I and, and the funny part is, is, you know, I, and I shout out to uh, Gina for winning our bracket challenge. She got, uh, I think, everything right, but two of the first round games. Uh, I know in my bracket, I had everything right except for any game that Michigan Tech would have played in. <laughs> I had them losing think- to Mankato. Yeah, I'd have to look at mine and see what uh, what mine looked like. But I think I only missed three games total. But, uh, yeah, it, that was weird. And, you know, you got to feel bad for the Mankato fans. The other problem, too, is it really shouldn't have been a one-goal game going into the third period. Like, no, Mankato just... played well enough to be up more than one nothing at that point. Because you got what here? Um, not a whole lot, actually. A lot of perimeter shots. That doesn't seem normal for them. Just kind of lost as to what happened there. But, um, you know, and Minnesota State loses a ton, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, but, yeah, pretty much it went the way we all thought it was going to go till the last period. Mm-hmm. I think that's a I mean, I think it's, we already mentioned it, but it's a good kind of transition into, you know, Dryden McKay finally got his big national award. I think we all agree that it was very well-deserved. Um, he won the Hobie, but not the Richter. And I think everybody's trying to figure out exactly how that works, but. Well, I tweeted <laughs> out and a lot of people got upset at me, but like I tweeted out that just, the Hopi hat trick compared to other things was very confusing. And Ben Myers was second team All-American in the West, according to the American Hockey Coaches Association. Dryden McKay didn't win the goalie of the year by the Richter Award. I think pretty much every major news outlet, though, had him on their first team All-American. The American Hockey Coaches Association did, but they also had Devin Levi on the t- East team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think well, USHO I mean, Devin and... Levi. Devin Levi and Dryden McKay were the two best goalies in the country. So I agree, but I do, but I do have a sense. So the, the one thing that was pointed out to me by Adam Wooden is the voting happens at a different time. The voting for Richter happens before the regionals, the voting for the, for the Hobie happens after the final voting. So the, the three finalists for the, for the Richter were determined at whatever point that was, and I'm pretty sure it was Parrots, Levi, and McKay. And 
I can see why if you look at them before the regional weekend, that that vote could have gotten divided pretty evenly three ways and Levi just came out ahead. But after regional yeah. weekend with what McKay did against Notre Dame and uh, whoever, why can't I think Harvard? Harvard. Versus what Parrots did against uh, in his two games, which were not good at all. Yeah. And then Levi didn't do anything special. And you can see why he would come out on top there afterwards, right? Like, although I don't remember if the hat trick was already decided by then. I don't remember when that happens or if they announced the hat trick. I think it, if I remember right, it was announced after regional weekend. <laughs> yeah. So I think the hat, I think they already know who won and they just announced who the top three vote getters are. Um, so I can see why that happens, but I kind of feel like that needs to change. <laughs> Like that voting should happen at the same time, uh, even if it's different groups of people. But like, and I also think it shows how even the very top of everything was this year. Because then my third point was that, you know, Bobby Brink was the other uh, Hobie hat trick guy. And there are 50 some guys in the country that had more goals than him. Like now, granted, that's not the only thing. But my point, and a lot of Denver people hated me for saying that, but I'm like, usually the guy that like doesn't score much but puts up a bunch of points is not the guy that wins Hobie. And I'm oh, yeah. unless unless they're a super high scoring defenseman with a massive amount of assists. That the guys That's like that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But if but if he yeah, if if Bobby Brink put up the same line from the blue line, I get it. I do. 14 goals and 50 some points or whatever it was, like, yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. But not from a forward. Now, granted, the difference between him and some of the other guys that come to mind is he played on a team that was a top seed and they made it to the Frozen Four. <clears throat> but, like, he was really good, but, like, how do, you, how do you pick him over, what was it, Gutman, I think? Yeah, but honestly, and, isn't, isn't the biggest issue, like, when you start, start talking about breaking down goals and assists, how is it that somebody like uh, Ethan Frank from Western Michigan didn't even make the top 10? Yeah. It's so ins- there was, that's, there, that's insane. There was a lot of complaining about that. But I think part of that is the nature of how the voting is done to determine the top 10. The coaches get six votes. They each vote their top three in the country and their top three in the conference. And if, I don't know, like it, it, in no, in no reality, does it make sense that the leading goal scorer in the country that plays in the unanimous best conference in the country, isn't one of the top 10 players in the country. Yeah, and it wasn't like he's uh, – where is it here? He still had 39 points, but maybe that's part of it is he just didn't have the assists. But then, like, well – 26 26 goals. I mean – I know. <clears throat> yeah, it makes no sense to me. But I think that – I think that's part of the whole problem, Dustin, was uh, – I think, especially in the NCHC, that there there must have been enough division of like who 
Like he didn't. I don't know. I know there's a lot of complaints that he wasn't up there, but I do think there's, I don't even remember like how many, there were three guys from CCHA, right? Helen in, in the top 10, you mean? Yeah. Helen and Smith McKay, right? Yeah. I think part, like, I know a lot of people don't agree with me, but I think it with the Richter award existing, I think it's time that the Hobie become a skater award. Because I do think part of the reason that you you didn't get Ethan Frank is because you had Parrots, Levi, and McKay. And it's yeah, hard to I, argue that, that those guys aren't three of the best players in the country. Yeah, I, I guess I can see the argument on both sides of that. And if they decided to change it so the Hobie is a skater-only award, I wouldn't have an issue with that. But I also don't have a problem keeping it the same yeah. as it is. And you, and you do have a sense, like, I wouldn't be surprised if part of the reason McKay won was sort of a career achievement award where he didn't win the goalie of the year, but it's hard to say he wasn't the best goalie over the last four years period. Yeah. And, and I don't even, and I don't have a problem with that either because he's been absolutely incredible for the better part of four years and maybe the best goalie ever or second best behind Ryan Miller in yeah. college hockey. Like yeah, the kid deserves some recognition. So I've heard this a lot, but how I've heard this a lot where like people have put Devin Levi on a pedestal because of how many shots he's faced. Part of me has always said that, like, I think it's a lot easier to have a a crazy good uh, save percentage when you're facing a decent amount of shots versus a guy like McKay having to keep focus seeing five shots a period. Like, that's not easy. Yeah, that's true. Now, granted, most of those shots aren't like the one that led to the uh, – what was it, the the tic tac toe goal that the Gophers got to get ahead one nothing? Well, I mean, I don't think there's been a goalie that's ever been born that would have stopped that goal. Yeah, no, that, no, that back and forth passing was wonderful. But that's what I mean. Like, but that was also a very non typical Mankato play. Like that was a bad turnover. That was a very Michigan Tech NCAA tournament moment right there. Right? Like, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, I don't know. That was, yeah, I, I think it's great that he won it. I think it's, you know, terrible, especially for some, for some of our close friends, Dustin, that Mankato didn't finish the job off. And I also think it's, you know, it's, it's sad for the conference that it, uh, that, that Mankato wasn't able to finish, even if most of the country looks at it as, Mankato and everybody else, right? I think it'd still be good. I think it would have still been, excuse me. I think it would have been really good for the conference to like have that trophy to put on the the list of things they accomplished. In oh year yeah, one. for sure, that would be a fantastic way to wrap up the first year, no doubt. So, yeah, I, I mean it, and it, and it's a good thing anyway that 
Minnesota State made the championship game because that's uh that's the first time the conference Michigan Tech has been in has made the tournament since the reshuffling started. Um so yeah. All in all, it was uh a pretty good tournament and fun to watch. I don't know about uh your perspective, Dustin. Did you watch much of the regionals? I watched quite a bit. Yeah. How did you like the format as a person staying home? The change to the off days and Oh, I, I liked it a lot. The fact that you could watch every single game the first two days. Yeah. Because it wasn't no it wasn't switching back and forth. It wasn't trying to figure out well what's games on ESPN three or which I guess is probably not ESPN plus. Yeah. Um it was just put it on the channel game after game after game after game yeah speaking of which espn what the hell are you doing moving the overtime to espnu for a what was it like the pregame show for the baseball game and it wouldn't be bad if their streaming service didn't link channels to streams yeah. If they linked content to streams it would be so much better but, but the other problem was rob is the game was supposed to be on ESPN two. And if you had yeah, a package right. that had ESPN two, but didn't have ESPN you, you didn't get to watch overtime. Right. And that's yeah, not that's how it should be. That was their choice. Course. Yeah. Like yep. their, their choice to move that should not block you from watching because you have one channel and not the other. That was, Agreed. that was a load of crap. Thankfully my access did not prevent me from watching, but, um, I didn't. I didn't um, experience that because I had no interest in watching a game between Denver and Michigan when I didn't want either team to win. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I don't even remember what I said in Discord, but I think it was something like, "Leave it to Mel to make me root for Denver." <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I would have been rooting for Denver, but God, I hate Denver too. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, like, uh, I I liked it better too, Rob. What did you think from traveling? I think if they take it back a day, then it would be better. One I, day I, backwards. I, at least one, if not two. Yeah, making oh. Thursday be the like, starting I think, day I think, is rough. I think Saturday, Sunday should be the four-game days, and the championship should be Monday, Tuesday. I wouldn't mind that. Because you still have Tuesday to the following Thursday for Frozen 4 travel, but that gives us fans more time to it's make plans to... to get to Denver or yeah. wherever. Like that's the tough part is, I mean, look, I mean, I look what happened with Matt and, Matt and his guys, like the flights went up too fast. And I mean, you're going to mm-hmm. have that happen anyway, but I think I that's also, a reasonable request. I also I mean, think it's not like they're going to listen, but no. And I also think the nice thing that I could see happening more is I think it would be really, really smart for the West to try and work together to have like Fargo and Sioux Falls the same year. Because I'll go to all of them. It's only a couple hours back and forth, right? Like, I'm not going to just stay in Fargo. Like that might piss off, I guess, the local people that that we're not like staying in their establishments all the time. But like, 
You're still I, renting a hotel, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm still renting it somewhere, wherever I probably, wherever the games yeah. were probably the first day. But like, you're probably the minority in that, though, Tim. The majority of the people that are going there are going to stay in Fargo, and they're just going to drink and go out to eat on that off day because they don't care about going to Sioux Falls. Like the, the percentage it, of people that are going it, to do what you're doing is pretty small. I agree with that. Um, I know Rob and I talked about doing it if we went out east, but oh, for sure. I, but I don't think the West Regionals are ever going to be close enough to do that because I just don't think they're going to line up that way. But I think that could be something that could be helpful. But I also have the advantage of I probably don't have to pay for tickets to all of them. I can get a press pass to one of them, you know, <laughs> like. <laughs> Um, and I don't have a whole lot of interest in going to do like spending all that money to drive out to Sioux Falls and Fargo if tech isn't involved at all. I might, but with how high ticket prices are, probably not. Um, but I will say this Loveland is like the perfect venue. Yeah. Um, for it's the, the of, right size. For the amount of people that kind of complained about, you know, Loveland being a boring place, I, I, I don't know what they're complaining about. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we couldn't ask for better weather. I mean, yeah, I, saw the, I saw the updates of what it was like back in Minnesota. And it was what, like freezing rain and snow and rain and right 25 to 40 degrees the whole time we were gone. And we were in shorts the whole time, pretty much. Yep. Uh, it was quite pleasant. No, it was quite pleasant. Gorgeous weather. Found a lot of great restaurants. I would totally go back. Um. Yeah, yeah that was, food that was, was a lot good. of fun. Beer was good. I'm drinking one of them right now. <laughs> yeah. Only lost one of them on the trip back home in the suitcase that you know decided to explode and pop on me. Yeah. There was a lot of a lot of good stuff to do out there. My my pickled beans made it just fine. The the <laughs> jelly did too. Um. Yeah. It was a good trip. I I had a blast. Um. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I know too. I'll have to get my daughter out there sometime so she can appreciate the mountains more than what it looks like on a seven inch screen. Well, and it's also, I didn't realize the the severe amount of dogs out there. That didn't make me sad. No, it was kind of <laughs> cool. They were everywhere. Let's get into some portal stuff. Dustin, what did you want to talk about on the portal? Well, I guess mostly just kind of trends that I've seen. Like there's a lot of players that I didn't expect, like names I didn't expect to see show up in the porter portal that did like Sillinger. Uh, Sillinger is one. There's been, there were a couple guys from Michigan that I didn't think would show up there. Maybe another topic coming up, but maybe a sign of something to come. But um, well, I do think the one thing you have to remember is super seniors, scholarships count this coming season yeah but i i guess i didn't look to see if the the ones from michigan are super seniors not lambert and moyle are both seniors okay like graduating seniors i thought there's one more though i don't know those two just came up today so i don't know i'll have to look and, i gotta look and see no, what... they're the only two michigan guys on my go for puck live one okay well i i just go kind of off of whatever um schlossman tweets about daily yeah but um a couple so, guys from minnesota too definitely one that i would think Mi michigan tech would be interested in the mm -hmm. the defenseman 
Yep, and I could see Brinkman? Tech being interested in a couple of super seniors from Michigan too. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what to think of what Joe will do. I basically, but as far as the portal goes, I guess the other interesting thing is Michigan Tech. When we last talked on the podcast, we knew about five players in the portal. The fifth one was Caden Bailey. Um, of the six or of the five guys in the portal, two of them have announced where they're going. Eric Goats is transferring to Vermont, and Grant Doctor is transferring to St. Thomas. I don't know where Vermont is getting their hockey street cred, but they're doing a pretty darn good job of uh, picking up kids from Minnesota now, aren't they? Yeah, well, they got the two best players, high school players in the state. Yeah, committed. Max Strand and then the kid from Prior Lake, right? Mm-hmm. And one of it said Max Strand, I guess, according to Lucas Pippenhagen, who pays for neutral zone, they have him listed as coming in next year, but they have the kid from Prior Lake going to juniors for a year. Um, I would have expected both of them to go to juniors, but may, maybe Strand goes in right away. Um, yeah, who knows what actually happens, and maybe something like uh some of the other grad transfers because I don't think he's the only one that they've gotten either, is he? Let me look here again. Not that that part gets updated all that fast, but no, I guess he's the only one. Um, I, I think it might be worth mentioning that uh, Arizona State seems to be kind of pulling in some pretty big talent in the portal. Yeah, they've gotten, what, four players so far? A couple Lucas... guys from Northeastern and Sillinger. And then the North, uh, yeah, three guys from Northeastern, I guess. Two forwards or and a goalie all transferred there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that that's interesting. I mean, it, I guess it's not that surprising that a, a kid like, like a bunch of kids would want to go play in Arizona <laughs> if given the opportunity now. Um, yeah, that's not surprising. I still find it odd that Sillinger is in the portal. Well, maybe maybe it's just like he wanted to play with his brother and, his, and now his brother's gone and he doesn't see much of a reason to stay or something. And didn't somebody, Rob, didn't somebody on Discord say something about like his mom is in Tempe or something? I don't remember that seeing that, but that could be. Did he is he going to Arizona State? Is there that yeah. not known? Yeah. yeah. He is okay. Yeah. So yeah, I and I know I've seen some stuff about like how dumb the portal is. And honestly, I think it's fine. Like, it's not like there's a ton of players. I mean, there's a ton of players in there, but what is it like four per school? And most of them are one year left. Uh, and a lot of that is because of the extra year that the portal has granted. Um, and then last year, it wasn't as big a deal because any super senior last year, their scholarship didn't count towards the 18 limit. Now going forward, they do count and they've always counted on players that transferred. Yeah, I I, I, mean, I think there's going to be a lot of players that are in the portal that don't find teams. But that was, but that's part of this, part of the problem with all of this too is like, this is really the first year that we have like a list, right? Like a legit list, like the whole thing. Dumping the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, 
and I do th- like how is this really any different than like when Jamie Russell came in and like four or five guys didn't stay. You know right. what I mean? Like uh and mm-hmm. I and those guys, a lot of them went D3. Now at least they have a chance to go play at St. Thomas or somewhere, right? Like, and not sit out. Um, and I don't think that's as big a problem, but like you're, yeah, I don't know. I mean, St. Thomas has, what, seven guys in the portal, it looks like. But I guess it's, I think it's it's just the nature of things where like half of this is going to be guys choosing to move on and ha- like how many of these guys are in the portal because the coach told them they don't have a place anymore. We don't know that. Right. right. Pro- probably quite a few of them. Yeah. Uh, but I, I like there's little doubt that some of these guys are in the portal because the guy like Joe Sean can't guarantee them playing time and they think they deserve it. And that's, but that's still part of the, part of the game. Like, like they, they have, like, I know a lot of people think you've made the commitment. I know Rob, you don't like it really at all, but like the, I don't know, like players have a right to change their minds. My my opinion of it is, I don't have a problem. The portal, the portal almost seems like it's a half measure, right? It's it's this way for them to change teams whenever they want and not honor a commitment, but it's a commitment that is kind of one sided and isn't firm. I mean, it's it, it's a very imperfect system. I, I'm almost at the point where I, I think. At the time of commitment, the in college hockey, these they're not kids. It's all adults that are. By the time they come into the school, with maybe a very few exceptions, it if if it's a player that you know, you want to sign up for one year, the school commits to scholarship for one year. It's almost like a professional contract. But they all are one year. But make it so you can have. If, if you want them to stay longer, sign, get them to sign a three-year. Then they're locked in for three years or locked in for four years or locked in for two years. Make it an option. A I get what you're saying. A one, but, two, but, three, but or four-year scholarship offer. But, but why? why? Why should Grant Doctor have to stay if he thinks he deserves more playing time, no matter how convoluted that may or may not be? The biggest problem I have is you have these guys that are using programs as springboards or trying to at times, right? I couldn't get in somewhere else, but I get here and I show, and then someone comes and poaches. But I don't don't see that that happening a ton. Do you? I mean, I don't like the way North Dakota is using it, but that's North Dakota. I don't see a lot of other stuff like Dakota is also not getting players that are using it as a springboard they're getting grad transfer type players to come in for one year i, I have no problem with grad transfers that's fine you've done your but degree you got your degree that's but that, those are no the, there. those are the players that north dakota got last year the one year left the one year left come in for one year yeah i guess but like but i don't know like so as a as a bemidji fan like 
they went and got a kid from Air Force, right? Wasn't it? No, they got um, Jackson or, Judding from Colorado College. No, they got him too. There's two guys they got. They got, uh, oh, they got Lincoln Hatton from Army. Uh, Getting out before the big time commitment. I guess so. <laughs> um, but like, so they lose Lucas Sillinger, but they get Lincoln Hatton and Jackson Judding. Like, what? I don't know. I, so far, it doesn't seem that it's as lopsided as maybe we thought it would be. Right? And I also do want to reserve judgment a little bit, too, until all of the COVID extra year stuff pans out, too. And that's part of the problem in all of yeah, this. Is, like big, I said, there's like, a big-ass log jam. Yeah, there's 228 guys in the portal, and I think 100, some of them are fifth-year seniors. Um. I do think the one thing that I don't like about the portal is, uh, but but I can't blame them because it is what it is. But like the goalie shuffling is just weird to some extent, right? Like I don't know, but we've taken advantage of it too to some extent over the years of trying to like fill that hole that way. And like I do like the portal from the fact that like. It, it, it's a lot easier for Michigan Tech now to fix an unbalanced class, right? That that's basically impossible. It, 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 is, it is for this. everybody. Yeah, but, yeah, but that's everybody. what I mean. Yeah, like I think that's a good thing that it's easier to fix unbalanced classes and get back to like so Michigan Tech can bring in a couple grad transfers this year instead of having fifteen freshmen, kind of thing. Well, one of the nice things about hockey, about college hockey historically has been kind of that shuffling and parity of schools, right? Yeah. You have a school that's cyclical or may not necessarily be able to fully do that reload. You have ebbs and flows, right? Yeah. Is leveling that off a desirable thing, right? That's part of being a college hockey coach is managing that. And yeah. that's going to kind of go away, I think, a little bit. Or it's just managed differently, right? Yeah, but is that – but that advantage also comes from like part of that advantage is also the fact that you're well, I guess it all depends on what happens at schools like, you know, Michigan and North Dakota and Minnesota more long-term on how they handle losing guys early. Did they just right, like, keep bringing Michigan in more and more young do, guys right? or are they going to replace those guys with sophomores? Yeah, what's Michigan going to do this year when they've lost, you know, five or six guys going pro? How are they reloading next year? Are they grabbing, yeah. you know, transfer yeah, folks or not? You're going to have to ask a new coach. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we can talk about that. Because um, I think that's enough portal talk anyway. The So I guess the biggest news in the last couple of days is that uh, on the day we're recording here, it was today, right? This morning? Yeah, that, uh, that Danton Cole and Michigan State have decided to part ways and Michigan State is now looking for a coach. Um, I know I saw some stuff and, and Rob even alluded to this either before we started or shortly after we did that. Uh, um, that it was kind of surprising to hear this news before we heard anything about Mel Pearson since 
it is April 12th at 9.02 p.m. Central Time, and we still haven't heard whether or not he's getting a new contract, and his contract expires in, what, 12 days? No, 18 days? So in 18 days, he can sign with Michigan State? Yep, exactly. That was the big <laughs> joke. Because doesn't, like, doesn't he seem like the kind of guy that spitefully would actually do that? Absolutely, he would. <laughs> like... No matter how much of a Michigan man he was until all this happened, like I could totally see him going to Michigan State just to like rub it in their face that he can yeah. still coach and all of the whatever they came up with was BS. I don't I don't know what to think of that whole situation because I don't understand how not re-signing him would allow them to like seal the investigation that doesn't make sense to me like are you telling yeah, me that we I can't at the very least that we couldn't have a gofundme to get the money to have all the records released if we have to pay for them like we would for that other request we made that ended up being what six hundred dollars but i would gladly pay six hundred dollars to see the investigation results and I can't believe that they would be allowed to seal that just because he's no longer with the university. It's still a public university. It's still subject to a Freedom of <laughs> Information Act request, right? Yeah, but there are things that you are not allowed to get via that. But I don't understand how an investigation into his conduct would... would ever be protected. Yeah, I don't that see how it seems like you're setting yourself that. up for for problems in the future. So right. I don't understand. Like somebody made the point that. It's probably that they don't have to make it public, but a media outlet or a freedom of information request would still have to be fulfilled if requested. It's just with it, like, I don't know. And I can't, I find it hard to believe that whatever he did would rise to the level of not signing him again, but not rise to the level of more. Like that line seems very narrow to me like either michigan's in trouble for what he did or they're not and they bring him back and it's all a matter of what they can figure out in the next 18 days whether or not they re-sign him right because i don't know there's multiple allegations aren't there i believe so uh so it's not like it's one thing um but yeah, I thought there was multiple allegations and then you add on top of it the stuff that we found, but that's peanuts compared to what they're investigating right now. Um, but it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks just waiting to see what comes of this. Um, and who knows when you guys will actually hear this. Maybe it'll be figured out by then, but whatever. Because I don't know when I'm going to get to editing this since we're recording on a Tuesday instead of our normal Monday. But um yeah, and then, so basically it's, what, him? So we've got the question of what's going on at head coach at Michigan. We know that Michigan State's looking. We know one guy that's going to apply for that job for sure. The coach of blue and white and kind of goldish colored team. Yeah, that's also in the state of Michigan, really close <laughs> to Canada. Yeah. <laughs> Starts with W and ends with hitting. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, that, that would I can not pretty much guarantee you that he's move. applying to that job. Yeah. Maybe he'll actually get it this yeah. time. He's 
Is he applying to that job or is he just resending a resume yeah. <laughs> that was already written? I would yeah. like this job when Denton Cole got hired. I would like this job. You know, the cover letter just has a couple of dates yeah. updated and that's it. Plus made NCAA tournament. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and was won. more successful over the yeah. last five years than your previous hire. Yeah. I don't know how he'd do in the Big Ten. That'd be quite the. It'd be a different style. That's for sure. Yeah be interesting what else was on your list there dustin oh just a discussion on the fact that we oh let's start with the hockey east stuff oh yeah we can talk about that yeah so hockey east made an announcement along with espn that all hockey east broadcasts or i guess i shouldn't say all but hockey east streaming partner is going to be espn plus now and that brings uh, two, I believe, right? Just ECAC and Hockey East now are going to be on ESPN yep. Plus, which yeah, makes some sense do. because of their proximity to Bristol and, and the, I, the, and the Ivy holdout. League and Hockey League. What's that? Atlantic Hockey is the only Eastern holdout from from ESPN now. Are we surprised by that? No, I don't know what uh, they do for streaming, anyways. To be honest, they're on Flow. I thought they're on they're on Flow. Oh yeah, that's right. I've watched some of those games. I knew that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, they're on flow. Yeah, so now we only need uh, one, two, three, four different streaming services to watch all the games or most of the games. Uh, yeah, what it was it? There's going to be 50-some games on Nesson yet and then a handful on one of the ESPN networks and then the rest are on ESPN Plus, I guess. I would love a deal like that for the CCHA, but we have to wait at least two more years for that. Um, hopefully whenever the flow hockey deal sunsets that we have told Don Lucia and Dominic enough times <laughs> what we want. <laughs> the biggest thing for me is just not having to pay for so many different sources or not having to scramble and figure it out. That aggregator that ESPN is as well at doing gives you so many different leagues on there. It'd just be so much better to see that yeah. that way. I mean, there's already two NCAA leagues on there and the NHL. Yep. And that's enough reason already to be like, this would be a good spot to be for a league because there's already, there's a, it's, already, there, it's basically, already becoming a destination for hockey watching. You talk about like uh, Brandon made the right point that like one of the, one of the benefits of being on a thing like ESPN plus is you have a better shot at a casual fan picking your game because it's on. And so let's say some kid finds out that Michigan Tech is interested in them, right? They can actually pull up ESPN Plus for what, $3 a month if they don't have it already and watch a game versus dropping, what is it, $30 a month to pay by the month for flow? They're not going to do that, but they probably already have ESPN Plus because most, a lot of families have the Disney bundle to have the Disney stuff, the Marvel stuff, and all that. So it, it just makes sense to be on ESPN Plus from an exposure standpoint. Uh, the only other thing that I've said is if you're going to stay on Flow, you need to find a way to get Flow to agree to like, a free game of the week type thing where like 
go use this code and you can watch this game for free kind of thing. So that you get that like game of the week exposure without having the commitment of paying for it. And you just kind of go around the league and play in, you know, have a game in a different barn each week and try and have, you know, no teams get repeated more than a couple times. But I think that's the way to go. To yeah, have- I do too. I, I really think that it, it just makes sense, right? Yeah. And as long as it's not, and this is something that nobody, or not say nobody, but a lot of people don't seem to understand. As long as it's not TV produced by them, the platform is fine. It's only when it's TV produced and it's jumping channels is it stupid. The regular streaming from ESPN Plus is fantastic and works very well. Yeah, the the one game that I, well, one of the ga- several games I watched from ECAC yeah. was was just awful, but it wasn't an ESPN That's Plus That's not their issue. fault, though. No. It was yeah. whatever, I, I don't know if it was, it was Quinnipiac and Clarkson, I think. So it's like when we can. Well, that, they had was, a lot of problems. That was the was that the ECAC tournament? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, they had a lot of problems with the feed from. Uh, is that was that from uh, Herbrook's Arena or whatever in uh, Lake Placid? Isn't that where they play yet? That's where they play. Yeah, I believe one of them. Does, yeah. It was like the problems that I had. It was like oh, it, it was the announcers either didn't understand that when like they shouldn't be screaming when there's a goal because it like was so loud that it, like was cr- oh. like crackling like oh, in the microphone. Sure, sure. Yeah. So they were they were having clipping issues. Gotcha. Yeah. <clears throat> and and in Tim, the, Tim I mean, the production audio engineer. Yeah, yeah. The the production value <laughs> just was poor, but it was an arena issue. It wasn't an ESPN plus issue. Right. Yeah, that's fair. And ESPN Plus isn't going to impact that at all. All right, now let's get into the new D1 teams. Dustin, you want to talk about the the ever-growing number of independents yeah. that we have? So I think, I think for next year, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think we have two new teams next year, or is it three? We, Lindenwood for sure and Stonehill, right? I think so. Sure. And then Augustana is the year after, right? I, I think Augustana is 2023. <laughs> we we lost Rob. His power went out. Oh, no. <laughs> and then what What else do we have coming up? Um, so the other teams that I have that are kind of like in this weird limbo of being independent, looking for conference, whatever – Huntsville, which we talked a little bit about before we started recording, and we can get back to that. Anchorage, which it seems like they're back for next year. Yeah, they've been active in the portal, so it seems like they have to be planning on coming back. I have no idea what their schedule is, but... Well, I saw that they're on Arizona State's schedule for next year when Arizona State released their schedule. Okay. Um, Fairbanks, they were independent this year. They were, they played pretty decent. They were respectable and pairwise mm-hmm. as an independent. Um, Long Island will be an independent again. Arizona State independent again with a new arena opening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
which we know the dates on when we will be there january 6th and 7th mm-hmm. for the desert hockey classic or and then the, it's called now so the question yeah the question that you asked joe about the other teams there um you were right close. it is BU. i was close i was close it was bu and air force i had bu and army ah okay I had the wrong service academy, but that's still cool. We get to play a possibly play a territory. Yep. Or whoever BU or possibly Cam coaching <laughs> coaching BU. I don't see that happening, but yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, I guess I, lo- we, I love we, Cam, talking, but talking they usually coaches, hire BU guys. Yeah, talking about coaches, that's another big one that's open. We didn't we haven't mentioned that yet, but that's probably I don't know, maybe not worth the time. Um so that's According to my count, in the next two years, there are eight teams that are independent or looking for a conference that are planning to play D1. You're counting Huntsville on that? Eight? I'm counting Huntsville because... So, we, so we've got, you, you, we've got you, Alaska, you Arizona State, and Long that. Island that exist already, right? That played uh, independent schedules this year. Yes. Right? We've got Anchorage coming back. We've got yep. Lindenwood and Stonehill starting or joining D1 this year. And yep. we've got um, Huntsville in limbo. And you've got Augustana coming the year after. That's what we've got right now? That's that's on, that's what I have on my list, yes. I, okay. I don't know if I'm missing any. It, it <laughs> seems like every week there's a new team that announces at this point. I, it's crazy. Oh, Rob's back. Admit him. Um yeah, so I, so we can talk about Huntsville. The the big issue there that Huntsville took our money and used it to play two years ago, and basically said if we don't get in a conference, we're not going to play anymore. And they didn't get in a conference, so they're not playing anymore, as far as I can tell. But as I said to you before we started recording, like that is no way to show your dedication to your program. And now that you've got, what, next year would be six other teams that have independent schedules. I forgot hmm. one that we were, that, that we missed on the list. Robert Ooh. Morris is back next year. They are back, but they've already been admitted to Atlantic right. Hockey. Yeah, so they're already in a conference, but they are back next year. Yeah, they are back. Um, Speaking of back, hi. Hi, hi, Rob. We <laughs> talked about you a little bit. The entire house went dark. We were scared, uh, and then it came back. That's good. Uh, that just makes me want to come home this weekend and pick up my generator. I what's the first time we had a power outage in our house in a very long time? I'm trying do, to figure out when it was the last time we had one, but it's been a while. I do need to find a an uh, an electrician and get a quote on how much it'll actually cost to hook that up. Anyway, uh, so Huntsville, like. I don't understand. Like, if you actually want to have a team, bring it back because you've got six teams that are going to want to play. Like, and at least at the end of the year, like you're going to get you're going to get some home to dates. get players in the portal. Yeah, like the portal should make it easier for Huntsville. I mean, look mm-hmm. at what St. Thomas is doing. They're basically they're losing what seven eight guys and they picked up a kid like grant doctor now who knows how that'll work out but like if the nice part about the portal is i feel like when you do get stuck in a rut you're not stuck there as long like if you if you 
picked guys that shouldn't that don't belong in D1 hockey. You just cut them loose and go get new guys. Like you can do that. Um, you're not stuck with them like you were in the past, right? Um, and if Huntsville starts a team right now, like I like you like you said, they could go get ten guys that have one year left. Yep, they could jumpstart their team pretty quickly. Like you're you're telling me a kid like uh Terrell Buckley if he had his if they had his masters wouldn't have gone there. Well look what look what um Lindenwood Lindenwood's doing the same thing. They went and got they're, they're grabbing players, they're starting a new D1 team. Yeah. They got Salmon Kangas from um Ferris committed yeah. there. Yeah. No, I like goalie is seems to be like the easiest thing now to to do is you can get like it's not like Huntsville's going to have to have three freshman goalies if they come back um and like I said like one of the biggest problems that you have as an independent when you're the only one like Arizona State was there for a while is you don't have any games the last month of the season because all the conferences are playing everybody and that's it now the Big Ten has seven now so each one of them has a buy towards the end of the year so you can get your 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 games with them at the end but then you've still got you know five of the teams that aren't playing at the end of the year and they'll want to play you mm-hmm. like i wouldn't be surprised if stonehill and long island save games for each other till the end um and try and get as many games with other eastern teams earlier but still like huntsville's got a place in this current setup it like if they put the effort in and that's and that's where i think they fail it's not in uh like i just don't think there's enough want there and that's why they're where they're at because they like they want to be in a conference yeah well show that you aren't a bottom feeder that's going to be 55th or lower in the pairwise, like show it, show that you care, show that you can invest in your program, show that you can get all the cameras you need to meet the CCHA's video requirements. Don't take five years to do it and just get it done and show that you care, like invest in the program and do it. And, and I, I just don't see it. I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're done. And it's I, sad. I, I agree. <clears throat> unless they, unless like we kind of talked about earlier before the podcast, unless somehow, some way, there is a split in Atlantic hockey where there's a whole new conference that is formed and they invite Huntsville. In which case, Huntsville might still be a bottom feeder, but they'll come back if they have a spot in a conference. Yeah. I am kind of surprised that Western and Omaha and like, I I guess I am shocked that UMD and St. Cloud and North Dakota and Denver, like North Dakota and Denver make zero, like that, that makes complete sense. But I am kind of surprised that UMD and St. Cloud have just stayed like in this top half of that and, and that, like Omaha and Western have too, that it's not like, I'm just surprised that Miami and, and um, 
CC haven't like cycled up more, you know, like like had like Wisconsin type rises and falls within the conference yet. Um, it just seems like they fall into the bottom and they're going to stay there. Whereas the everybody else seems to just be like some teams don't fall all the way to fifth, but like it seems like it's a pretty good battle between one through six every year. We need to get we need to get games against CC. That'd be a great one to get games against. Oh, I agree completely. We should, of the, we should be playing Miami and, and CC. Miami's tough though because Miami has pre-existing rivals or local local-ish teams that they like to get their non-conference games with. Ohio State and Bowling Ohio Green. Ohio State, Bowling Green, Notre Dame, and right. I guess yeah, not too far. CC is kind of out on an island with Denver and Air Force, and Denver's in their same conference. So CC is traveling for non-conference games. There's no reason why we can't get CC. Well, I do think Denver and CC have done a lot of like the let's get BU and BC in here and yeah, alternate stuff. So that's harder to do, but we could get Denver and CC to do a split weekend with us and and Marquette. And I can't understand why uh, Patalny wouldn't want that. I'd like that. I'd love to have a weekend like that, but who knows if that'll ever happen. It sounds like we should have some news on the GLI here shortly. Um, yeah, I think the writing's writing's on the western wall there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we'll find out soon. But uh, it looks like the... Uh, I, I don't know if there'll be any more games in Detroit, I guess, is the way to put it, huh? And if that's why they were there and what they were doing there, I mean. Yeah, well, I, but I guess I don't know if it starts next year or the year after or what. Um, sure. Like when it's going to happen. But it sounds like, uh, I don't know, because I guess we don't know what the teams are either. It, it'll be interesting to see, but maybe this will all be moot by the time you guys actually hear this and i'll just delete this off the end of the podcast but <laughs> so dustin we it did not make it in the podcast last time right because we did that all after where you actually predicted who our goalie pick would be and then we didn't mm-hmm. put it on the podcast it was in the yeah. post show my glory was cut or my glory was after the microphones got cut off yeah um yeah it'll be interesting to see if um well, we we have it on good authority who one of the defensemen is. Um, and from what I can tell, he looks like a hell of a player. And uh, uh, if any of you listening know who Matt Whaley is, he has a jersey for the team the kid plays for right now. Right? Doesn't he, Dustin? I have no idea what kind of jerseys Matt Whaley has. Um, well, you recognize the picture in the host chat right i'm pretty sure he has a jersey for that team in finland okay well i'm yeah i don't know i I guess if he does i've never seen him wear it but i think he wore it to one of the saint thomas games when i was up there actually um it's a a rather iconic finnish team isn't it aren't they kind of considered one of the best teams in yeah they are one of the the professional level team yes this is a junior team for that professional team sure yes 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 i'm i'm failing to make that distinction but yes 
<clears throat> so, yeah. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see when that news actually gets broken. I did everything I could to try and find proof of this from another source so that we could talk about it, but it's not uh, official official yet. So we have to wait a little longer. Um, and maybe if this takes long enough, uh, we'll do a little sub segment and add it to this episode. But uh, I think that's about it. Anything else you guys want to talk about? No, I think that's a good, good wrap up for the year there. All right. Oh. We didn't really do like a team wrap up, but we got all summer to talk about that. Yeah, we can do that. I want to. Uh, if anybody out there listening is interested in buying a size 60 number. 55 100th season jersey please let me know because the guy who said he wanted it keeps dragging his feet and can't seem to find a way to actually mail me a check uh and uh, i'm kind of getting tired of it i sent him a request on paypal for the money so if that doesn't work i think we're just gonna maybe we'll just auction it off or something it's frustrating I guess we can put a uh, uh, a certain player's nameplate on there if you really want, since there's actually a kid wearing that number now. So let me know. Where's my outro? There we go. One minute remaining in the podcast. Well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash Guide. Thanks again to our two newest patrons, Brett Libby and Robert Carnahan. Get a shoot. Where is that? I'm gonna have to like undo this now, aren't I? Because we got one question. That was a legit one, and I forgot. It's great editing, guys. This is gonna be fun at the end for me. <laughs> Where is it here? Oh no! The other question was Marvin Wilson asking if we were going to have any celebrity guests this week. Butchergrass, Melrose, or Starman, because he'd like to tell them a few things. I think Starman <clears throat> likes you. <laughs> Biddy commented on something today on Twitter, and I couldn't see who was responding to him, and I thought it was Starman. I was like, "Wow, that's cool that he's got Starman responding to him." No, it was just somebody with a locked account. Oh. <laughs> anyway, back to the outro. Uh, patrons at the white level or above get access to our quarterly Zoom chats with guests like John Scott, Joe Sean, Brad Patterson, Cam Ellsworth, and uh, access to our instat heavy analytical articles coming this fall. Uh, patrons at the black level or above receive access to our extra podcast content, including extended versions of every podcast. And then we've got a couple different steps for uh, fans that want to listen to the unfiltered YouTube video. That's the gold level. And then we've got a higher level. If you want to help support the podcast even more, check it out at patreon.com slash tech hockey guide. Follow us on Twitter at chasing Mac pod and at tech hockey guide. You can submit questions through Twitter, Facebook, or in our Patreon page. Uh, I think we got a new review. Somebody actually reached out saying that he was having trouble figuring out how to submit a review, but he did give us a rating at least. So that's good. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. If you can't find the podcast in your site of choice, please let us know. And we'll make it happen. Uh, once again, thanks for your, to our sponsors, Fibke Dental and Rhinelander, Wisconsin, and Livonia Technical Services. 
Special thanks to Mitch Lake for recording our introduction and our patron saint, Dr. Fibke, for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. Finally, thanks to the Thank You Notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com. I'm going to make a pit stop to that Fibke Dental on my way up to Houghton in a few weeks here. Are you? I don't have an appointment, but I'm going to stop by the sign and take a picture by the sign just to <laughs> say I've been there. Nice. We're going to have to make it like a running attraction or something. It's in Rhinelander, right? Yeah. been listening to the chasing mcnaughton podcast presented by tech hockey guide covering the michigan tech huskies and the ccha